0: Good afternoon, it is the last Monday of the month, which means it is time for the QA and as you can tell, I'm not in the usual location. I actually had to travel this week for a contract class, so I am pre-recording this. I know lately we've been doing the QA live and I have really enjoyed that format. So I'm kind of actually bummed out that I'm missing that because uh, I really do like interacting with the comments and kind of, you know, kind of having our live format where we can just kind of interact a little bit more. So I know this is a little bit of a departure from the norm, but I do appreciate appreciate you guys tuning in. My name is Dave Tim from Guns and Tactics, and if you're new here, this is the QA, the episode at the end of the month where I answer your questions. And if you want to see your question on the show, go ahead and send me an email to the email address shown below. That is the QA at gunsandtactics.com. Now, being this is the last Monday, last week, or excuse me, last month, we had our Halloween episode, which was fun. Now, this one is the November 2022 edition, and I sincerely wish and hope all of you guys had a really good Thanksgiving. I know for me, it was nice. We had a big group. We had a bunch of really good food. We had friends. We had family. Um, We just had a really good time, and uh, I'm not going to lie. The smoked turkeys I made were, like, amazing i have looked forward to that gravy all year last year was the first time i smoked a turkey and i kind of did this smoked gravy and i'm telling you guys it was pretty awesome so i was really looking forward to that and it turned out really good but uh yeah i hope uh, you guys had a really good thanksgiving we have a lot to be thankful for we really do and i hope uh if you feel like you don't have a lot to be thankful for i hope things do really get better for you i mean that but it's a, you know, kind of interesting time. You know, the holidays are, are tough for a lot of people. They can be challenging. They can be lonely. They can be whatever. So here's the thing I would tell you guys to do as we're coming into the end of the year, uh, because our next QA episode where this is, you know, just kind of us talking and hanging out is obviously going to be after Christmas. And then we have a whole new year to start. So it's uh, definitely kind of been interesting. There's a lot of things that have happened this year that I, really didn't think were gonna be happening. Like if you were to talk to me last year where I would be right now, it it probably wouldn't be here. So sometimes uh, things can happen for a reason and things can uh, be an interesting change and and change is good. So anyways, where am I? I'm actually out of state. Uh, When you're watching this, It'll be, obviously, the last Monday of the month, but uh, I had a contract class out in the New Jersey area, so I'm super excited to be doing that, hanging out with some good dudes. I always like getting good range time, helping people be better and helping be them you know, basically be better instructors, and I get to travel with a good friend of mine, uh, and it's really cool to be working the range with him and hanging out. And uh, Plus, we're getting to do a little bit of Philly local life stuff, which... I gotta say, Angelo's Pizza, if you're ever in Philly, that was legit, and then I'm not even gonna get into the best Philly cheesesteak because I haven't had them all yet, but obviously we did some of the touristy stuff. It was pretty good, guys, I'm not gonna lie, but there was even some local stuff that was better, like the Angelo's one. That's overall a really good place to go for pizza in South Philly. But anyways, like I said, if you want to see your question, get on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. Uh, Next month, we'll hopefully be back to our live format. Otherwise, I'm going to answer all of the ones that we did get via emails and comments. So this will be a little bit of a shorter show. And then obviously, I'm not going to be able to interact with your comments because we're not live. But I do appreciate you guys, again, tuning in. All right, let's get started. Our first uh, news thing here quick, just a reminder again of these stupid spam comments, gents, I'm telling you, if you are not aware of these spam comments, not like not being real people, do yourselves a favor. If anybody from any YouTube channel says that you have won something, but you have to like pay for it with a telegram or something like that. Or if they don't have a real username and it's these weird stupid number things or whatever, or it just sounds too good to be true dudes, it's a scam. And it's not just our channel, it's a ton of people. And YouTube has not figured out a way to block it. We try to block these as often as we can, but, We just can't do it quick enough. So uh, again, if you see these on any YouTube channel, dudes, it's a scam, okay, don't fall for it. I've had numerous people email me asking me like, why would I be asking for a credit card if they won something? It's not me, it's not us who have done that. So please, let's use some, some good common sense here. All right, this one is from Will. Hi, thanks for the videos. It's important the work you do. I have some questions. I know that you have to guess a little, but for a guy 5'6 and 185 with a little belly, which staccato, C2 or CS, would you recommend for CCW? Do you recommend getting the aluminum or the metal? I'm considering a staccato. Yes, uh, we got the staccato part. Here's the deal. I don't have a CS in hand. I'm supposed to even have a C2, and I don't have that on hand yet. The C2... It's very similar to, let's just call it a Glock 19 sized firearm. The CS is obviously gonna be a little bit smaller, not quite 26, but closer to 26. Now, if it's truly just for concealed carry, it sounds like that CS is gonna be a really cool model. I've spoken to some people who have shot them. They said they've shot really well. Uh, It does have a little bit different design. It has an external extractor. I would like to play with it, I'm not gonna lie. I wanna check one out. The C2s that I have shot, all aluminum, have been really nice shooting guns as well. They've carried well, things like that. Now, if you're set on a staccato and you're between those two, I think it's really tough to beat the C2 just because the C2 is just an all-around good handgun. It's not too big where you can carry it. It's not too small where you don't enjoy shooting it or going to a class or training with it. Main capacity, it's reliable. However, the CS is looking to fill that market, right? They are looking to, to say, we know you want something lighter, a little bit smaller, still good capacity, still reliable the CS I think is going to be a hit. I mean, even the the C, the single stack version was a popular gun for carry because it was light, it was comfortable, it was easy to carry. And that's all what they're going after with the CS, except for they're trying to increase the capacity a little bit to be more competitive with the SIG 365, the 43X with like the shield arms mags, uh, the Smith and Wessons. You know, there's a lot of really good carry guns, those slim carry guns right now. Uh, the SIG P365XL series, for example, is really popular. So do I think that's going to, kind of go after that market that's what they're trying to do in my opinion so the cs i think will be really good i'd like to get my hands on one i i can't say and i'm glad you acknowledge but it's a little tough for me to say because obviously i don't have one yet but i do think uh, they're going to be a pretty cool gun and if for a lightweight can carry gun yeah aluminum might save you a few ounces so that might be a thing there. shooting it i've shot the staccato p aluminum versus the steel back to back and i could tell just like a little bit of a difference in the recoil impulse but like it was really really slight like it i had to kind of really feel to see if there was a difference the more of the differences i could kind of feel they were a little um heavier the steel was a little heavier in the hand but i i wouldn't put that much on it the one thing i did notice though was that when i shot an aluminum staccato p for a longer period of time it seemed like that aluminum expanded a little bit quicker than I would expect. And I noticed that the gun started to get really tight after maybe 300-ish rounds within a short period of time. So I did have to add a little lube. So if you're gonna know you're gonna be a class gun shooting it for the long haul, things like that, I would get a steel gun. If it's a carry gun, I'd get an aluminum and I really wouldn't worry much more about it. So that uh, is that. This one, uh, these are from Kevin. Kevin, I do have to give you a shout out because you are one of our top Patreon supporters. So a special thank you to Kevin. And I was going to show that rail skills tool that you sent. However, I forgot it uh, at home. I didn't, I didn't have time to pack it for this. So I apologize that I'm not able to kind of give you a shout out on a mail call. But Kevin, I really do appreciate the support, uh, support on Patreon, one of our longest and currently our highest level supporters. So this uh, cheers is to you. Which, by the way, I'm drinking some Baileys on the rocks. Just a classic evening beverage. I have no idea if it has a tie to Philadelphia or not, but it's just delicious. All right, Kevin's questions. What role does auditing have in the firearms training industry? I'm a firm believer in auditing, and I don't just say this. Uh, One of the very first two-day classes that I personally ever taught a number of years ago, it was an AR-15 class. Uh, And I actually invited two people that I really, really respect to audit my class for me. I gave them a free slot, I helped them out with their lodging, but I told them in exchange uh, for just their uh, you know, attendance, I wanted that honest feedback. I wasn't paying them for feedback, they were free to publish whatever they wanted, they were free to share with whoever, you know what their true thoughts were, things like that. But I felt pretty confident But I wanted them to audit the class for me. And that is something that I really do value. Now, the organization that I teach for now, mainly 88 Tactical, we really value audits as well. When we develop classes, we go through kind of a writing stage, a pre-planning stage, a researching stage. We do kind of a dry run. And then we also do like what we call a wet run where we actually train with each other and kind of do some train ups and really kind of work things out. We kind of have an internal auditing process. And then, Moving forward, we keep auditing things. So in one of the classes that I recently uh, taught, I had a staff member in that class with me that was also there to help audit it because we need to make sure that we're on the same page when we're using language that translates from one class to the other, a training system, if you will and also to make sure it's up to the quality that people expect. So I'm a firm believer in auditing. There's a lot of well-respected people that have other peers audit their other classes, but unfortunately there's not like some international organization that audits training and gives it like an accreditation or a certification like that. I know the NRA was trying and I know some of the other organizations were trying to like uh, have some sort of a system so that if you have a certification with so-and-so that they might come audit, but I just don't think that ever happened. So that's the downside, uh, is that well? I do think there's value, I think that it has some potential issues that would need to be worked out and that would kind of create its own headaches of itself. But uh, that, you know, I think good instructors are having others audit and give them feedback all the time. I think that's going on at the high level of training. Have you ever heard of situations in your area where students, confederates in scientific sense, set up for a real malfunction with a failure to extract or brass over Bolton malfunction, just to see if the government instructors knows what to do. Uh, I don't know, I I don't know. I I generally, at this point, I train with people who I do my vetted research on that I respect, uh, that I have a lot of faith in. So I'm not aware of any students that have gone to a class to purposely kind of like test or give the instructor a pop quiz. Now I've had some students ask questions even ones that I feel that they may, they know the answer to, or they think they know the answer to, to kind of vet the challenge, or maybe a challenge, or to vet the instructor in a way. Sure, sometimes I do think things like that happens, but I'm not aware of like students going into like, hey, uh, 13 minutes in, I've got two dummy rounds, and we're going to see if the instructor. I, I don't know, Kevin. You, um, I, maybe that's something you've experienced. I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure, sir. But I'm not. But uh, hopefully, an instructor who is teaching something is competent enough in their craft, or I think an instructor gains a lot of credibility if sometimes if it's a topic that, even if they were just to say, look, this isn't in the lesson plan, I'm not aware of the solution for this, but let's find out something like that. I don't know exactly what scenario you had in mind. Are there any government resources to teach government instructors the proper manual of arms to use different firearms and clear the non-gunsmith malfunctions? Uh, I don't don't know, man. I'm not in the big government, so I was a small-town street cop for the majority of my career, and now that I am doing a lot of government training, like I travel around, we do anything from small agencies to big agencies to some federal to whatever, but... I'm not aware of like government resources because I don't work for the government. I'm not even in the government anymore. So that is a little out of my lane to say. So unfortunately I'm not sure. Um, I have talked about doing a a video. I'm working with somebody. Uh, I'm not ready to say their name yet because, um, we haven't finalized all the details, but they are a government instructor. They travel around teaching and uh, once maybe they're a little bit more comfortable in their position, we can maybe do something together, kind of get a little bit more into that because I think there'd be a lot of good lessons there. But, uh, I try to talk to as many other people as I can, so I'll maybe I'll try to ask around and see what we can come up with. Uh, what are a few? Of, what are a few of the top pieces of advice or lessons about being a good instructor? Number one is don't be an asshole. Simple as that. Uh, have a genuine care for your students, and if you don't have that care for your student, or if you don't have that passion to see your student get better or succeed. Uh, you really have to kind of give yourself a check. I was actually at a class, an instructor development class a few months ago, and I got a compliment, and I really did take it to heart. It was a three-day instructor development class uh, in Minnesota, so it was relatively local for me, which was nice. And one of the guys at the end where we were kind of doing our hot wash, where we're reviewing and kind of going through lessons learned and sharing, you know, instructor nuggets and stuff like that, he said, you know, the thing that I use to judge an instructor is on day one, hour one, What level of passion are they at? What level of energy are they at? And at day three, hour 10 or the very last, what is their energy or what's their passion? And if it's the same, that's pretty awesome. But a lot of people fade and a lot of people don't give it their effort. So when they're doing multiple days, multiple classes, the people that were there earlier get the better part of them? And then the people that are just at the tail end get the worst, things like that. And he said, he's like, you have just as much passion and energy on day three at the last minute as you did right when we started. And he goes, that's uh, that's how I know you're, you're really passionate about what you do. And it really meant a lot to me when he said that. So uh, try to have a genuine passion. Don't be a jerk. Be nice. Be caring. Be curious. Don't be afraid to be critical in a way. But I would say the other big thing that I would tell, because there's another question coming up about... Somebody wanted to get into YouTube. And for me, uh, people have asked, like, well, how did I get into YouTube? And the reality is that they paralleled really well. Like, for me, I'm just training in front of a camera. That's when I do a lot of my videos, that's, that's what I think about. So if, for me, it was an easy parallel for me to do that. But try to take some communication classes, understand how people like to build rapport, understand how people maybe gain respect, uh, go to a Toastmasters class, try to take some basic speech stuff. Be knowledgeable, practice, prep, have a plan, go from there. And I think those will be good steps. And don't be afraid to uh, take a bunch of classes. Uh, I have this thing called a master student philosophy, which I'm not going to get into. I've gone into it a little bit on some other videos, but a good instructor is always a good student. So don't ever be afraid to uh, take classes, even if it's basic level or something that you think is beneath you, because you never know what you might be able to get out of it, the people you might meet. little things you might pick up stuff like that what are some guiding principles to determine when an instructor should no longer be allowed to teach or even own or possess a firearm well dude that is i think above my pay grade for me to look at another instructor to say not only are you not fit to teach but you can't even own a gun i don't know man i think we're getting out into the weeds a little bit now obviously if there's a criminal issue now have certain other people got themselves into trouble committed crimes, whatever, yep, then that's when Johnny Law takes over and that system has its own whole, you know, bag of worms to go into it. As far as guiding principles, uh, I think the number one thing that I have to talk to when I've talked to other instructors who are retiring is when they say it's not fun anymore. And I've had a few people say, like, you know what, I still like doing it and I'm still going to give it my all, but man, it's just not fun anymore and they know that then it's time for them to check out. Those are the ones who get it. Uh, When they are no longer relevant, I would like to think the market will choose with their dollars when that instructor is no longer relevant. Some instructors have gone and gone. Some have peaked. Some have not. Some we just don't hear as much about anymore. You know, And that's the thing. There's going to be a new flavor of the day. That's just how this industry works. Right now, we have some really, really good instructors out there. Uh, We are in a we are in a really good time, and I remember having this similar thought a few years ago, thinking like, "Wow, there's so many really good classes I want to take." Now, I've taken some of those classes, and some I was really happy with, some I was disappointed with. But we're kind of into that same area now where I have a decent list of people who I want to train with and people who I think I can learn a lot from that uh, it's just a good situation. So there's a lot of really good instructors out there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the principles would be to determine how someone should no longer be allowed to teach. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I have people that I won't train with and I have people who I don't recommend, but what that system is or whatever, and who am I to say, because what if they are still out there helping a good people? What No, just because they didn't help me, but there might be a hundred other people who they did help. So I don't know. That's a little bit subjective. All right, Kevin, one more. When it comes to the NRA... And law enforcement dominant eye teaching is just wrong and never corrected. Now I don't know exactly what you mean. Uh, you kind of elaborate with the myth goes on and on. Some people have a damaged eye, monovision, and no such thing as a dominant eye. My friend has a development condition that prevented an eye brain nerve. Uh, another friend has damage. Uh, my brother has monovision. So you know you have no dominant eye. So eye dominance can shift. So again. I don't really know what you mean. Like, I, A lot of people do have a dominant eye. Some people have a very strong dominant eye. Uh, some people are cross eye dominant. Uh, those are all things that I go over in my classes. So throw in red dots and prisms and a whole new set of eye instructions are needed. So here's my thing is basically as many times as I can with the platform, with whatever I teach people to be, target focused, especially with red dots. That's one of the big benefits of a red dot on a handgun is it gives us that ability to be target focused, which is what our eyes want to do anyway. We want to focus on the danger. That's kind of instinctive to us. But uh, how the eyes and brain works, what are preferred ways to teach the use of eyes with guns? My biggest thing, like I just said, is keeping your eye on the target. Now equipment is allowing us to do that more. And true story, one of the videos I have on my to-do list is to do a video with a local eye doctor to me who just might know a thing or two about shooting. Uh, So I'm looking forward to doing that. And that's what's cool, like when I go to the eye doctor, he knows that I'm a shooter, he's a shooter, so I can ask him, like, hey, I think I'm getting in in astigmatism because I'm seeing this dot weird, and he would tell me, he's like, yep, you're starting to develop a very minor astigmatism. Uh, You can get glasses, here's a prescription, but here's the warning, once you start wearing glasses, your eyes are gonna tell your mind that, hey, this is better, you're gonna want to wear glasses more and more. Now, I've told him, Doc, I don't want to wear glasses. And he's telling me, then don't get a prescription because once you get this prescription, you're going to want to wear those glasses because you like the way your eyes see things just a little bit crisper. But do you need it? No. He goes, you still have really good vision, but like for me, red dots on handguns, I kind of see this weird thing and I can't remember what it is. I'm not an eye doctor, dudes, but... Some people can squint and kind of fix it for me. Like, and I can't remember if that means your astigmatism is like this, but mine's like this or something. It's it's weird. So I can't squint to, to fix mine. Uh, and thankfully it's minor, but you know it's one of those things that I've I've noticed is for you know for me. But uh, I'm not. I, you know, I, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit with your uh, question here, Kevin. But the reality is, you an instructor, a student, whatever needs to know how their eyes work. And the instructor needs to understand some basic stuff. So like, what is the foveal point of your vision? What's your sweet spot? Why do bifocals exist? Why do they work the way they do? It's because our eyes can only focus on one thing at a time. So we need to understand some of those basic things, but we also need to be realistic that we're not eye doctors. We shouldn't be talking about crap that we don't understand, but I've seen so many instructors spew this stuff off of a PowerPoint, especially when it comes to like low light stuff, your your cones and rods and... Dude, we all get that in low light, our eyes open up and we want to gather more stuff and we don't see color as well in low light. Okay? But aside from that, we kind of need to stay in our lane, instructors. Okay? If you want to do a bunch of eye doctor type stuff, then meet with some eye doctors and do some research. But uh, I want to get that eye particular eye doctor on the show because so I think he would be a good... Uh, subject matter expert guest to kind of talk about some of that stuff. Before we answer the rest of our questions, I do wanna give a shout out to Midwest Industries. Midwest Industries, again, sponsors this episode of the QA by supplying the prize. Midwest Industries makes a variety of products for all sorts of different platforms, whether it be ARs, semi-autos, shotguns, lever guns, all sorts of other cool accessories, you name it. They probably have parts or accessories for your platform of firearm. You can check them out at their webpage or search online for Midwest Industries to see all of the cool stuff that they make. And we very much appreciate Midwest Industries for supporting this episode of the QA. Now back to the questions. This one is from Charles. I'm planning to buy a primary arms one to 10 LPVO with Griffin mill reticle for my AR. Is it advisable for me to get a sloped mount to give me the full range of adjustment when dialing as I have done on his bolt gun? Uh, Best wishes from Charles. Good question, Charles. Reality is it's probably not gonna be needed. If you want to, great. You'll be able to dial and zero a little bit more towards the bottom of the range so you'll have a bunch of elevation. Uh, Again, for LPVOs though, a lot of people aren't dialing. It's just kind of a zero set and forget and then we use the reticle to to do our holds Uh, but If you wanted to you sure could it's not going to hurt anything and then if you ever wanted to move that to a different rifle or maybe you put it on something with a little bit more distance like a 6 arc or a 308 uh, ar or something like that you're probably not going to regret it but if you know it's just going to stick on an ar-15 and yes do i know that people sometimes shoot their ars out at more extended distances like in three gun matches i'm hearing more and more about five six hundred yard shots but the reality is for most people it's a 400 yard and in gun. So you have to ask yourself like, what is realistic for you? Okay. That's a good question. So if it's, if it's not a big deal for money and availability for you, I'd get the 20 MOA and not worry about it. The only cons with the 20 MOA is it might be, you know, I'm not even going to say it's a con because I haven't seen this except for very, very rare circumstance, which was just goofy or you'd have to uh, run out, but those are with older scopes and they weren't able to zero as easily, but I think that has kind of solved itself. And with this primary arms optic, I don't think you'd have any issues. So do you need it? Probably not. Is it nice to have? Sure, probably. This one is from Mark. Some other channels are saying LPVOs suck. Is that the case or is just something catchy? You know, it's kind of, excuse me, uh, the Bailey's is catching up to me. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because I've actually seen a couple channels that I watch talking about this and I was going to come out with my own kind of uh, podcast style video talking about LPVOs. Because right now this whole LPVO suck thing, I don't think it's fair, but it is kind of catchy. Now, we need to be realistic. There are downsides to LPVOs. There's no free lunch. They are a little bit more heavy. They're not quite as generous with eye relief uh, versus like a red dot. We may have field of view issues compared to a red dot. I get all that, like for me the the judge of quality of a good quality LPVO is how does it work at 1x because I want it to be as red dot like at 1x as possible and then we have a whole bunch of other stuff like the quality of reticle, the illumination, the durability, all that stuff. There's no free lunch and I've been running an LPVO for a long time, almost 20 years. I am considering myself a relatively early adopter with LPVO life when I learned a lot of lessons from competition shooting, patrol rifle classes, marksman classes, all sorts of stuff. I don't think they suck. But I do think it's good that we realize that there are limitations, especially now that we start to have a lot of these one to tens, nicer one to eights coming to market. Is you do give up some stuff, especially with exit pupil, eye relief, the quote unquote eye box, uh, and field of view, and some weight issues, stuff like that. So that's probably I probably should do a podcast style video about that because I think it's you know worth talking about. But um, and for what it's worth, I just picked up a red dot, actually a Holo sight, uh, and a magnifier to kind of revisit that i I dismissed the magnifier thing for me a long time ago and now i kind of want to revisit it because i think there's some pros and cons for certain situations all right this is from nathan what are you hoping to see revealed developed or new this coming year for the industry obviously i think you're hinting at shot show coming up oh man that's a good question Uh, Obviously I always like scopes, so I I love it to see what people come out with a new. I would like to see maybe some more SPR style scopes, like a two to whatever magnification range that's in a short compact size with a good reticle with more daylight like illumination. I think that would be pretty awesome. so I always like to see that. Just when I think like, oh man, the AR market, there's nothing new that they can come out with like accessory-wise or whatever. Then you have all these little cool stuff that comes out like Stern Defense and their, rabid, their uh, rapid buttstock adapter. That was a really cool accessory that I saw at TriggerCon. And I thought, you know what? I didn't even really think about the market not needing that or needing it, but it was just a really cool innovation and it was a really solid product. Um, Obviously there's all sorts of other stuff, new triggers, there's new technologies. Uh, I do have a couple of conversations that I've had with people about stuff that they're working on for 23 that I can't talk about yet in like the large caliber AR space that I am looking forward to seeing. You know, I think suppressors, I mean, man, we've seen a lot of really cool modular suppressors come out I'd like to see more where that technology goes uh and obviously with handgun red dots i always want to see better handgun red dots so more closed emitter on more common footprints durable well-built you know stuff like that i mean with lights we're seeing a lot of really cool technology i got to give props to surefire their x300 uh turbo is a great handheld light my video will be out on that i don't know it's going to be in more than a few weeks guys but i am, i am really liking that light and uh, it impressed me more than I thought it would, and I like it better. Now I really like the mod light, but the switches suck. I've broken a couple. A lot of people I've known have broken switches. Aaron, you broke a switch, didn't you? Yep. yep. So. Oh, and by the way, this is a live studio audience. So that's the deal with that. The mod light pistol light, coming soon. Come on, dudes, you got to get on that. Like we. I don't know when that is going to be. So I don't know. Aaron, is there anything else you want to see come out? Like better optics, better optics, Uh, especially you know, the the one to six, the one to eight range. Mm -hmm. You know, what would be really cool is if somebody would make a 34 millimeter one to six so that way it has a nice big exit pupil, maybe with a slightly bigger uh objective lens, too. I know it'd be a little heavier, but man, I think we have the technology to do some really cool stuff. But it seems like a lot of companies are trying to push to get more magnification when I just want a really awesome one to five, one to six with daylight, bright reticle, long battery life, awesome exit pupil, really generous box, stuff like that. So that might be kind of neat. All right, this last question is from KMS. I'm thinking about starting a gun YouTube channel. I know there are many out there and some have told me not to waste my time. I've asked a few companies for products to do reviews on, but some ignore me or only offer me a discount. How do I start? And I know some channels are getting things for free. Well, dude, um, here's the deal. If you're just getting into this to get stuff for free, you're probably going into it with the wrong intentions. And maybe I'm just reading your question a little bit more. Maybe that's not the tone. Maybe that's legitimate, not the tone of your question. And if that's the case, I apologize. However, I do want to address that quick because I do think it's a legitimate thing to address because I do know a lot of people have reached out to companies saying, hey, I'm starting a YouTube channel or I have a channel uh, and I want this. And then they don't do anything with it. And I'll be honest, like I've gotten stuff that I've not made any content on, but I try to do my best to reach out to that company and just tell them like, here's why I haven't done any content. Number one, if I don't like it, I'll give him some feedback, and if I don't like it, I don't think my would like it, so maybe when it's not worth doing, I'll offer to send it back or whatever. Number two, sometimes I just get really busy and it's not intentional, so I'll tell people like, look, I've been swamped, I've had a bunch of other projects come up that I think the viewers would like because I always have to play that balancing act of like, when I make a video, uh, if I know if I make a video that I know will get zero views, I shouldn't make that video. Okay. But I know that if I'm gonna be making a video that I know is gonna be getting thousands of views, that's the video that probably deserves more of my attention because I wanna get that information out there. So that's part of it. Um, other things too is that sometimes I just get busy and I have other things come up. But generally, if you're looking to get into, like I said, just for getting stuff for free. Now the companies that you have reached out to and you've asked for stuff, you have to look at it from their perspective. You have to look at it as what are they gonna get out of your review? What's your resume? What's your contribution to them? Now, if you're really respected and you have a lot of experience in something, and obviously I don't know you, we've never met or anything, uh, if you can offer them some good feedback that's gonna help inform viewers to make you know, people more aware of their product, that's what they're looking for. And if you reach out to them and you don't have any subscribers, any reach, any traffic, it's gonna be really tough for them to justify sending you something, okay? Now, the first videos that I ever made gun-related were how-to's, how to lube a Glock, how to lube an AR-15, how to do this, how to do that. Why? Because it's stuff that I already had, and it's stuff that I could use to create a library. I could show people the production quality I was capable of. I could show people that, hey, I'm not a jerk, okay? I present well, I can express information, I can express my thoughts, I can communicate well. I had made a lot of those how-to videos to try to get viewers, to try to get subscribers, to try to have something that if I could just get somebody to watch my channel for just a few minutes, they would know that, okay, if I send this guy something, he is capable of making a good video on it. Good, bad, otherwise. Now, as I've grown, I'm very fortunate to have grown my audience and my subscribers, and thus, that has grown my opportunities, okay? And yes, do I get some stuff for free? Yes, absolutely I do. And I try to tell you guys all that. Like, I tell you when they send this for demo, whether it's a T&E, whether it's whatever, or if it's a sample that they've just, you know, allowed me to keep, uh, I I tell you all that. Now, is that kind of cool? Of course it's cool. I mean, seriously, I get to make videos about stuff that I like to use and, uh, you know, work with and things like that. But the companies that I respect the most are the ones who reach out to me. Uh, and they want to work with me because of my experience, my expertise, my perspective, and they want me to tell the story about that product. Truthfully, no feedback or input from them. They want me to share what it is. And those are the ones I really like about because I'll usually be upfront. There's a lot of things I like about a lot of products, but there are certain things about products where I'll wish like, Hey, I wish I could see this, or I wish I would see this change, or I wish this was an option. And sometimes that's happened. So uh, you have to realize, too, what value are you bringing to them and look at it as their opportunity cost, okay? If they send you, let's just say, a $100 widget, okay, margins, whatever, all that other stuff aside, if they send you that $100 product, you think, oh, they're out $100. Well, the reality is no. In order for them to pay for that $100 product, in order for them to cover their costs and time and shipping and all that, they might have to sell five to eight of those products to cover that loss of sending you one. And that's what you have to look at it from a business perspective, from their perspective as well. And if you go to some of these places and ask for the moon when you don't have anything to show, it's gonna be tough. And even now, with a channel my size, I still ask for just a demo a lot of times. I'll get a gun and they'll be like, all right, we'll send you this or whatever the product is, we'll send it to you for 60 days, for 90 days. And then I have to send it back. That's just kinda how it works. Now, some of the bigger channels, do I know that they get stuff for free? Yeah. Do I know that some of them even get paid to do reviews? Yup. Do I wish some of them would disclose that? Absolutely, because there's one channel in particular that I'm thinking of who does a lot of paid marketing content and he doesn't tell you about it. And some people call him out on it. Some people just eat it up like, oh my gosh, you're so cool. This is the best gun ever. And that's a little frustrating because I'm a firm believer in ethics and I think that as a creator, Uh, I don't like the term influencer, but as a content creator, I think we owe it to the audience, to the viewer, to disclose some of those things. So if I ever get to the point, guys, where I'm big enough to where I have a company sponsoring, like, you know, let's just say Bailey's here wants to sponsor my beverage, which would be awesome, by the way, Bailey's, if you're watching, if you want to send me a bunch of booze, I could get behind that. But anyways, I would disclose then, like, hey, so-and-so is sponsoring this, and then here's why or whatever, because I think that's just fair. All right, that's gonna do it for questions. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I believe, no, six. So not too many, obviously we don't have the live comments. So uh, it's gonna be probably an easy easy way to give away a prize. So let's hit our random number generator. And while I do this, I'm gonna post the rules up on the screen. You guys know the rules, but if you're new here, please keep those in mind as you are entering. It's only one and Try to limit the number of questions you ask the random number generator was number seven however i don't think we had a number seven so our last one is going to be well look at that kms you get something for free right now i'm starting your youtube channel you get a prize tell you what why don't you make a video about how you won that and do something like that and what do you think of it you can even do an unboxing or something like that so kms you get something for free after all fate has aligned with your lucky stars. How's that? That's pretty cool. All right, here we go, guys. If you wanna see your question, get on the show, the best way is to email us. The email address is shown on the screen below, the QA at gunsandtactics.com. You can also leave comments, all that other stuff, but the email works best because it goes to the inbox. If you guys wanna support the channel, please check out our Patreon page. When we grow that a little bit, we'll have more exclusive access, we'll have early access, they'll have its own dedicated QA, live chats, all that stuff, but it's coming, it's gotta grow a little bit first, okay? But check out our Patreon page. We have different levels ranging from a dollar all the way on up, whatever you want to do to support it. Otherwise, if you do want to support us through YouTube, you can go ahead and give us a super chat, super thanks, stuff like that. And as always, I look forward to seeing you in episodes of the QA. Now, again, usually it's live the last Monday, 2 p.m. Central, last Monday of the month, live on our channel. We do a live QA most of the time when I can, right? But uh, I'd love to see you guys there. Hope your holiday season's off to a great start. Look forward to seeing you in future videos. Thank you very much for watching and have a great day.